Welcome to Rebel Health Radio, bringing the best in alternative and integrative medicine to your ears. Hi everyone, it's Patricia Warby of Alchemy Therapies and My Emotional Audit. And I'm here with one of my regular weekly updates. And today I'm going to be doing part two of my book review for uh, The Genie in Your Genes. You can't see it, yes you can. The Genie in Your Genes. Um, by Dawson Church. Uh, I covered the first half of the book last week, just introducing the ideas of epigenetics, which means things that change your gene expression, uh, the environmental influences that change your gene expression, which is the latest understanding that we have, that genes are not the, the fixed entities that we thought they were that determined how long you live and how well you live, but they are actually just a blueprint that can be read in different ways. And so the environment that you create for yourself via your relationships, your lifestyle, your thoughts, your beliefs, your past experiences and your emotions that you've maybe dealt with or maybe haven't changes the output. And so the gene is almost the malleable interface. It's not the uh, fixed determinant of your life and so that's the power of understanding epigenetics and Dawson's book was one of the first to really detail this in a way that was understandable to the lay public and also well researched uh, you know with concrete examples and so it's a fabulous book to start with even though it's 15 years old uh, it has had a reprint I believe with an update so uh, it's still available and still a really brilliant book. And I would say one of the classics of the genre. Um, so in the first half of the book, um, we talked about the, the basic understanding of epigenetics. So I won't go over that. You can refer to the previous video for that. Um, but in the latter part, he's talking more about um, energetic uh, exchange within cellular structures. So he's talking about electromagnetic energy as a powerful force that changes the way we operate. You know, we, certainly when I went through my biochemistry training uh, 20 odd years ago, no, probably more than that, um, we believed that chemistry would solve everything and that understanding the molecules and how they interacted and receptors and things like that, it was all sort of billiard balls bouncing into each other, that very materialist frame. But what we found is that actually explaining the way the body works in that way doesn't give us any explanation for how fast things happen, how we can instantaneously almost change our functioning. Um, we can move rapidly to accommodate changes in, in direction, uh, you know, because chemical changes happen at about a centimeter per second. So that's how they're not very fast at all. Electromagnetic energy, however, and we have, we have biophotons in our bodies, which, uh, help us to function they, they transmit energy uh, we absorb light just like plants do not just like plants do because we don't have chloroplasts but mitochondria which are our equivalent of uh, the kind of organelle that a plant has do use light they do use biophotons to operate and in fact it looks like energy production overall is is a light-based uh, event and not just chemistry all right, and then so he goes on to talk about emotions and the heart and how the heart is so much more than a pump. Um, now, this has been known for a while, but it's not widely known in conventional medicine or even in so it's not taught at school either. 
uh, in biology, you'd still tend to think of the heart as an organ that just pumps blood around the body, but it has its own nervous system. It has its own uh, electromagnetic field, which radiates out of the body. And, and it seems to be the coordinating organ that links to the brain. And so the two are in a mutual dance. And therefore, the thoughts you think and the emotions you feel, which emotions tend to be more heart-based, um, do affect the electromagnetic signal that the heart radiates and therefore the entrainment, as it's called, of your brain. So it affects how you actually feel. And we're not talking about heart attacks here. We're talking about day-to-day -day health. You know, um, if you are in a state of alignment with your life, then your heart rate variability, which is the rate at which your heart rate goes up and down with the breath, is, is in a nice smooth curve. If you are out of alignment with your life, for whatever reason, maybe you're in a job you hate, maybe you're in a relationship that doesn't satisfy you, maybe you just feel generally and you haven't found your purpose or your meaning, uh, your heart rate variability will be jagged. It will be all over the place. And so your autonomic nervous system is not working well. Your communication network between your heart and your brain is not uh, promoting states of, of good health. So Dawson outlines this very, very clearly. Um, he also talks about how DNA, uh, the molecule of your genes, the, the very familiar double helix, is, is a, an antenna, is an amplifier for the signal, if you like. And it can, I learned this at the weekend, this is not from Dawson's book, but it can actually form toroidal states. Um, so it wraps itself into a a sort of donut shape, which is a toroid, and that uh, can filter, it can trans transmute energy from one state to another. Um, what uh, uh, some people call divine energy, which doesn't, it's nothing to do with religion. It's sort of the, the energy in the universe, if you like, through into electromagnetic energy, which we can then use. It's sort of 4D to 5D <laughs> energy. Um, but anyway, so DNA is so much more than we ever thought. It's a powerful molecule. It has extraordinary conformational states that it can form. And the water around it, because the body is a watery environment, actually uh, magnifies the message. And you can actually transmit messages from water that DNA has been in. <laughs> um, without the DNA, you can extract all the DNA and the water will still retain the message. How about that for interesting? Um so he, he talks about membranes as well, the cell membrane being the brains of the cell, which is something he learned from Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, was uh, I think a maybe a couple of years before this one, um, which again, another very, very groundbreaking book. Um, so DNA can change and mutate, not mutate, but it can transform itself into different conformational states. In other words, it changes its shape which in biological terms changes your function. Um, and, and that indeed, this, this change in conformation and change in output may be the basis of the placebo effect. You've all heard of the placebo effect where your belief state about something actually can change the outcome. Um, and we believe a lot of medicinal drugs work largely because of placebo. <laughs> Um, because your doctor has given them to you in the belief that they work and all the studies that he's read tell you that they work. Um, and so your belief state is that this this will help me. And, and to some extent, they do, not all the time. And certainly with some classes of drugs, 
not half as well as energy medicine would help you. Um, but there we are. So he then goes into a bit of the quantum field, uh, string theory, uh, how quantum states, which is a whole, uh, the, the way things work at the submolecular level, the subatomic level, actually, the, the way very, very small things operate is very different to how we perceive things in the macro world. And quantum states say that once something has been entangled, so say two electrons were, were once together and then they're separated, they instantaneously change in the same way or the one will affect the other. It doesn't matter how far apart they are in space. Uh, and certainly it happens seemingly instantaneously without any time having to elapse. So uh, that's that's the weirdness of quantum, the quantum world, is that things can change instantaneously. Now, that gives you a, an idea, doesn't it, for how distant healing, remote healing or, um, yeah, people who, who can sort of intentionally change the outcome of another person's uh, experience. That, that kind of gives you an idea that maybe that could be the way it happens. Um, we are in an entangled universe, he says. And yes, I believe we are. And, you know, physicists have designed experiments to prove that, that this instantaneous effect happens throughout. But up till very recently, we didn't think the human body, I don't know why we didn't think the human body could could work in that way because we sort of saw ourselves as separate and isolated from the rest of nature but of course we're not um i think the theory was that it was too warm and wet for quantum states to exist but of course that's just not true um and, and in fact quantum effects work throughout the body perhaps in brainwave states probably very much to do with how um communication between humans occurs or between humans and animals occurs without words being spoken you know you can feel the emotions of others um there's definitely a heart-based resonance going on there um so it, it it's a very interesting uh, effect that may even operate at the level of our conscious awareness so things like mirror neurons or um the parts of our brain that pick up the emotional states of other people could be operating in a quantum way rather than, because there's there's no explanation for that other than there's got to be some electromagnetic interchange because there's no physical contact between you and another person in this case. He also talks about in, in a later chapter how uh, the heart responds first to uh, emotional signals, okay? And so you can show people a series of pictures uh, you can randomly generate it on a computer screen and you can wire them up and find that the heart actually will pick up the signal of what is about to come on the computer screen. So if it's a disturbing picture, the heart will show a signal way before that disturbing picture is picked up by your visual field and transmitted to your brain. And equally, if it's a cuddly kitten picture, you know, a feeling of goodness and, um, you know, calm is also transmitted way before. And it, it seems like the brain has this peculiar feature where it has a sort of half second delay between initiating some, uh, say, motor movement and becoming aware that it's done the motor movement, but it works backwards in time to convince itself that it knew all along that it was going to make the motor movement. And so there's that other potential quantum effect of, of time being backwards as well as forwards 
So uh, that's an extraordinary thing. Um, Non-local perception. So this is where you can pick up signals from something that you can't possibly know. You're not in communication with that person or that environment, but you instantaneously know something. And there are many examples throughout history of this. You know, there's um, uh, Emanuel Swedenborg, who was a famous 18th century sort of scientist, mystic uh, philosopher, uh, claimed well, he was at a dinner party apparently in Gothenburg in Sweden, and um, he he knew that there was a fire going on. Um, it is in his hometown. He just picked it up instantaneously, and he knew the moment it finished, and he knew that uh, he had stopped three houses away from his house, so his house had survived. And the guests at the dinner party were amazed when news finally reached them of the fire by normal news media and it was exactly corroborated how he'd interpreted it so um but you know not everyone can do that this kind of non-local perception but you can train yourself to do it um it, it was sometimes called esp extrasensory perception um and it's trainable you can find ways to do it and so um one of his chapters is called routine miracles in other words Spontaneous healing is entirely possible. Um, miracles do happen. They're, they're common. They're not common because I think most people are in the mirage of their own perception. They're in the, the perception of I'm going to die now. I'm, I'm, I'm ill. You know, um, there's nothing that can be done because we are taught from the moment we arrive in this world that we are powerless pretty much and that we are determined by others and um, we're not we're not trained in these uh, extrasensory and mind body perceptions, which if we taught our children, they might have more ability to change the course of their lives and help themselves heal when illness inevitably does strike. You can't avoid illness, but um, to bolster your own healing potential before things get worse. And, and that is entirely possible. Uh, even if spontaneous healing isn't possible for everyone, certainly uh, improving your immune system is. And, and they've proved that with uh, experiments over and over, um, usually by bolstering the emotions of gratitude and appreciation and kindness rather than emotions of anger or fear or um, despair which have the opposite effect on things like your natural killer cells and your immune system generally. So um, these things are all explainable. And in the final two chapters, um, he talks about some of the means by which we can harness these understandings like energy psychology, of which probably the two most famous ones that I know of are EFT, emotional freedom technique, or tapping, which involves stimulating uh, centers, uh, nerve centers on your head and neck um and sometimes your upper chest as well uh might sound a bit freaky if you've never come across it before as i certainly the first time i watched someone doing that i was like that, that can't be true but it's one of the most profound interventions i've ever discovered for changing the course of someone's life and their healing potential because it works actually at the level of your emotions it changes the way you feel about things and that of course has a vibrational change in your body and that can prompt uh, natural killer cells and 
um, TNF-alpha and all these interesting immune uh, signaling devices in your body. So uh, he goes into that in a lot of detail and um, what he calls soul medicine, you know, changing changing your experience of yourself. You know, all healing has a soul for, or could we say spiritual component. And it's one that I'm very, very interested in. And I did a presentation on Saturday uh, for the chrysalis effect on that subject because it's something that I've straddled from my training, which started very left brain, very scientific, very materialist and has come full circle, a bit like Swedenborg, actually. Um, you know, he started as a, as a very uh, erudite, but very scientifically trained man and, and ended up as a sort of spiritual person. And and I think that's what's happening gently to me. And I'm becoming much more aware of the spiritual component of life. And I just wanted to finish up then um, with... The, the last chapter in the book has 10 different uh, principles of epigenetic medicine, and, and these are worth uh, just finishing up the video with. Uh, intentions first, outcomes second. And he's talking here, this is number one, about how modern medicine looks at the outcome. You know, it does tests, it measures the outcome uh, from a measurement of some kind. Instead of looking at the intention or the change in consciousness, of that person experiencing that and and um and we can in fact learn a lot from our experiences of illness it, it has it does have profound gifts even if we don't appreciate that at the time um it may be about letting go of something that we're holding on to or changing something in our lives that isn't working for us but we're too blind to that we're not seeing it so um so it's it's looking at this quantum field of uh, intention Number two is healing is a process, not an event. Now, this is so key. Um, healing is a, is a spectrum. You're, you're along a spectrum all the time. And, and it's not that you're well when you have no overt symptoms. It's that you're always moving along or back a spectrum, depending on what's going on in your life. Um, and usually when people enact a healing response, there's there's a turning point in their lives. And it could be their awareness of their own vulnerability. It could be that they make a connection that they never had. There's all sorts of reasons why that might occur. Number three is the heart-centered nature of our experience, all right, that we're not brains atop a body. Uh, the, the brain is very important, but so is the heart. The heart is key for entraining the brain, for allowing your experience of feeling your life and, and interacting with others in heart-based connection. Number four is being, being focused or rather than doing focused, you know, looking at people as um, organisms that respond to their environment in the state of being. We're, we're so focused on what we do. Um, doctors are focused on doing to, to solve problems, but they never ask you or very rarely, how are you being in this moment? Do you have a rich social network? Do you have a spiritual practice, an authentic vocation? Do you do you enjoy your daily experience? Um, are you able to talk about your feelings to somebody, even if it's not to everyone? But do you have that kind of outlet? All of these things change your experience of being, and being is is a far more important and intrinsic state than what you do, what you choose to do, because doing is a is a thought based uh, thought field system, if you like. And being is a heart-based one. 
Number five is treat whole systems, right? Think of the body as a, an intrinsic connected system, not as a series of individual parts, uh, which modern medicine sadly does, you know, with its specialty system is, is that you focus on different parts as you know, and you become an expert in those, but you don't understand how they necessarily talk to each other. And that the systemic uh, approach to healing is much more powerful because it brings in so many more uh, systems that can help vibrate or resonate at the, the frequency of healing. Number six is healing before disease, right? So get people in a state of health or healing before disease strikes. So it's really talking about prevention rather than cure. Um, and energy medicine has been proven to be a very powerful way of, of enhancing states of being and healing um, and keeping people healthier, which is the important thing. It's not waiting for disease to strike, but being able to support your body in a state of health and well-being. Number seven is magnify the body's inherent self-healing powers. So uh, consciously being aware that you can do things through changing your breath, through changing your heart responses, um, maybe from entraining your brain waves. There are various devices that do that. Um, restoring your own sense of balance in your life, you know, and finding new ways to interact with your, uh, your experience of yourself. Number eight, uh, stream to appropriate treatment. So here's he's talking about modern medicine tends to go for the most extreme answer as the first step usually. So, you know, you go in with, let's say you've got heart palpitations. You will be sent for very intensive scans to rule out really serious heart failure or heart disease where it's, probably a better approach is to treat you know at a, at a organic state of being you know what, what's going on in your life at the moment could we work with you on an energy psychology intervention could we do some tapping with you and find out what emotions you're burying because i have seen over and over again heart palpitations is just one symptom of an autonomic nervous system that's in distress you know it's overwhelmed socially emotionally and it's creating a stress based response which sort of spikes your uh, sympathetic nervous system causes all kinds of heart racing and tension and tightness so he's he's very careful here he's saying that uh, energy medicine wouldn't be suitable if you had a, a burst appendix or sepsis or a broken leg although it can help all of those things it wouldn't be the first line intervention of course in situations like that but with uh, trauma situations with um chronic states of ill health, uh, pain, um, some complex problems related to the degradation of the tissues, osteoarthritis, for instance, um, asthma, um, all kinds of allergies. Energy medicine works really, really well with those. And so uh, getting towards the end, uh, number nine, uh, revisioning death. Now, this is just this this would be a talk on its own really the idea that you know we just have to focus on on keeping people alive at all costs because we fear death so much and if we understood that death is not the end that consciousness goes on beyond the body's life um i've said that before but i've had proof of that uh from the loss of my mom and my dad and various other relatives um at least 
if if you don't believe in life after death, understanding that your fear of death drives a lot of your other fears, and it also creates this top-down push to uh, medicalize and control every aspect of life. If you could let go of your fear of death, you'd be much more present in your life um, and, and kind of living your best life while you can, you know, and enjoying yourself and taking time in nature and with others and being kind because you're no longer in the thrall of the end of everything. <laughs> Um, number 10 is understand the global context of healing, you know, um, ecologically sustainable medicine. The current model we have is not sustainable. OK, our chronic health bill, which is I can't for, remember how many billions it is. It might even be up into the trillions in the US, but it's it's something like 70 percent of all clinically treated disease is now chronic illness. Okay, and it's going up and up and up and up as we poison our environment. And so um, we have to build a different model of health and healing to the one we have, where we're not just treating the symptoms of disease, we're treating the origin and understanding that the human experience is a biopsychosocial one. And we are energetic beings first and material second. So this is this is a very profound book. Um it's but very accessible too, and I, I love that about it. It's very well written. Um, he's got some great ideas. Uh, he's got brilliant references and people to sort of connect with other sources of um, information, um, which I just loved. I loved, and and I'm so glad I reread this book because I think I read it 15 years ago when I first got it, but. I actually think it's better the second time round because I, I know so much more than I did at first when I you know first came upon it. So I highly recommend The Genie in Your Genes by Dawson Church. Um, and of course, I have a number of books in my mind body con collection uh, of which The Scar That Won't Heal is the one about trauma and The World Within is all about your microbiome. And then I've got a couple of others as well to do with electromagnetic medicine and cellular health and aging. So do find me on Amazon, my author page, uh, or just look me up um, and subscribe. If all of this seems interesting to you, it'd be lovely to have you along. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Hey, hope you enjoyed listening to Rebel Health Radio. Do subscribe and look forward to catching you soon.